God now offers redemption. You say, what does that mean? That means sins forgiven. It means entrance into the family of God. God will let you into his family as a gift. Not as something you buy or earn or deserve. He will give you heaven. I've never preached two hours before. And I won't today. But I have a message that I think is about 30 minutes. And I think it will be a great blessing to you. Now, a few weeks ago, I preached a three-part series of messages on the subject of prayer, and I entitled it, Praying with the Giants. Hopefully, you've seen that. I believe they're up online, are they, Pastor Devian? It's all online, so if you've missed one or more, you can go back and watch them. And those messages were designed to give you all the basics that you need in order to become a great prayer warrior for God. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing to be able to get alone with God and pray for something and then see it happen? How many would like that kind of prayer power? You see, huh? I think it's very important that we become more skilled at prayer to be able to move the arm of God through prayer alone. And that little three sermon series is designed to help you with that. Well, today I'd like to begin another three part series of messages entitled My Three sacred vows, my three sacred vows, which I believe will give you all the basics you need in order to experience a transformed life. Now that means a life of much greater fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, more and greater than perhaps you've ever known before. I ask you this, why settle for a drab, boring life when you can have a life filled with joy and the power of God and God's purpose. I ask you this question, why would you ever want to flutter around with the turkeys when you can soar with the eagles? It's literally that kind of difference. Now there's too much material for me to cover in one sermon or two sermons, that's why I have three sermons for you. But I hope you'll stay with me for today's sermon and the next two to come. Because I believe with all my heart that I can show you, I can prove to you how that these three sacred vows will change your life in an exciting way. So without further ado, let's have a word of prayer and then let's get right into things. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the blessings we've experienced so far. Father, I thank you for everyone gathered and I pray that you'd grant us grace to be able to hear and take in the word of God today. Lord, the word's going to be sown. We're watering it now with our prayers, but the increase comes from God. Father, I pray that if there be one here today, perhaps, who is confused and doesn't know you as personal Lord and Savior, they have no hope beyond the grave. They haven't thought that far, or maybe they have, and it's too scary a thought. Lord, today, show them that they can become part of your family. I pray, Father, for anyone watching online or here today who's not yet born again into your family, that you'd show them how to do that today. And please increase our faith, Father, all of us. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. And so the main title of this series of messages is My Three Sacred Vows. And listen, I really truly hope that everyone here today and watching online has a deep desire in their heart to become more like the Master, Jesus. He was great. He lived a great life. Uh, full of joy. And so many of us in the world today, what do we experience? 
darkness, gloom, depression, anxiety, fear, anger, guilt. We just seem to go from, from one station to the next of these things. Well, I have good news that in Christ we can have tremendous joy and freedom. What I'm going to share with you today uh, will transform your life into his likeness. Now that's quite a feat. Imagine having a brand new life. Imagine that, a new life. Doesn't that sound good? Having a new life. Many of us can say, I'm done with the old life. I've had so many disappointments and problems. I've messed up things so badly. I could sure use a new life. Well, there's new life available in Christ. And this is not just for those who are not saved, not born again, but this is for those who are Christians, who are born again, who have received Christ as their Savior. And many of them are still experiencing the baggage of the old life, the fears and the guilts and the depressions. We can leave all that behind. We can. And that's why I'm excited about this series of message, My Three Sacred Vows. Now, I invite you to take your Bible and turn to the New Testament book of Romans. Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at three little verses here. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we'll begin in verse 26 because this verse tells us how weak and frail we really are. In verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, also helpeth our infirmities. There's our weaknesses. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. And that's true, isn't it? When we go to prayer, sometimes we mumble a few words. Sometimes in less than a minute, our minds are blank. We don't know what to pray for. But the Spirit itself help, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now that's not talking about speaking in tongues. This modern day tongues is not in this verse. It has nothing to do with that whatsoever. This is a work of the Holy Spirit who helps the believer in Jesus Christ to pray. And there can sometimes be, a gro not always, but there can sometimes be like a depth, a deepness, a groaning inside. That's the Spirit of God praying because he knows you don't know how to pray. So this verse tells us our weakness. Now, if you look at verse 28, and this is a verse familiar with so many, many Christians, and I'd like to ask you to read it out loud with me. Keep your seats, but read verse 28 out loud. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. So here God is telling us that he works all the things in our lives, the ups and the downs. He works them all together for a purpose. And you might wonder, well, what is that purpose? And here it is in verse number 29. For whom he did foreknow, that's us, he also did predestinate, that means to lay out your steps, to be conformed to the image of his son. That means to have our lives transformed into the image of Christ. That's, that's the purpose of God. For every born again, man, woman, young person, the purpose of God is to take all the things in your life, all of the ups and downs and the bumps and, and the sorrows and the, and the hallelujahs, and God uses them like a recipe so that we become more and more like Jesus Christ. So we really do need to be transformed into his image. If there's a, a person who says, I don't want to be transformed into his image, then this person is either hell bound, or they're so backslidden, they don't even realize it. This is something good. Isn't heaven a good thing, don't you think? 
And yet I guarantee you there are people in the world today that want nothing to do with heaven. I don't want to go to heaven. I want to go to hell. I want to have a beer party with all my buddies. Boy, are they in for a surprise. They'll never see their buddies. Hell is a place of darkness and weeping, gnashing of teeth, and of eternal damnation. Hell is not a pleasant subject. And yet it's a very real subject. Like cancer is not a very pleasant subject, but it's a real subject that needs to be dealt with. I'd rather talk about heaven than hell, wouldn't you? And I'd really rather talk about a transformed life into the image of Christ because of all of the joy and power and the wonder and glory of it rather than fluttering around with the turkeys. Maybe it's not a very nice way to put it, but a Christian who is not trying to become more like Jesus is a bit of a turkey. They're fluttering around when they could be soaring with the eagles. Well, can you imagine the wonderful life you could be living if you experience this transformation and the power of God and the joy of God came into your heart and life? That's something that I think every honest Christian would want. Now, did you know that in the beginning, the very, very beginning, God said these words in Genesis 1.26, he said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And that's exactly what God said, and that's exactly what God did. When God says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And he made us originally in his image and likeness. Genesis chapter 5 says, This is the book of the generation of Adam. He was our very first father. Not a monkey, by the way, but a real person. This is the book of the generation of Adam in the day that God created him, not evolved him, but created him. In the likeness of God made he him. You know that God always means what he says. Did you know that? God isn't playing mind games with us. He's not playing word games with us. He means exactly what he says. And that's why we can always believe his promises are true. Folks, you can believe the Bible. God wrote the Bible. Forget about what man is trying to say and twist and pervert the Bible. Forget that. God wrote the Bible. It's been around for thousands of years. Man is not going to get rid of it. The best place for the Bible, though, is in our hearts. That's why we need to read it and memorize and meditate on it. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not, what? Sin against thee. If you're having a problem with sin, sins of the mind or sins of the mouth or sins of the hand, sins of the foot, you need the word of God inside you and that'll give you victory. If you're having just a, a boring, dull life, you need the Word of God inside you. If you struggle with lying, you need the Word of God inside you. Wow, the Word of God, I'm so thankful for it. Adam and Eve were originally made in God's likeness, and they demonstrated that in areas of joy and purity and passion and purpose, a purpose in life. But they soon got involved with sin and sin changed their likeness to God. All of a sudden, they weren't like God anymore. Imagine that. It happened pretty quick, too. And by the way, sin always changes things. And listen, don't be fooled. And don't think you can mock God with sin. Because it'll always come back to haunt you. It'll always come back to bite you. 
Ask anyone who's lived a few years and they'll tell you, oh yeah, what goes around comes around. That's true. That's, what, that's how the world puts it. But the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. Sin is what separated Adam and Eve from God and changed their likeness. And we are the offspring of our original parents and we inherited this sin nature. And so the truth be told, we're more like the devil than we are God. That's why we struggle with so many things and have so many problems. That's why so many people uh, take God's name in vain. They take Jesus' name in vain. And you hear this all the time, the OMG. You hear that all the time. Listen, listen to me. God will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. If you're here and you're saying, OMG this, OMG that, you are in trouble, my friend. You may not face God today or tomorrow, but one day soon you will stand before God and tremble. We need to treat God with the love and respect. He's our creator. I'm not telling you lies. I'm not telling you fables. I'm telling you the truth. We really do. And so we got this problem. Every human being is a sinner by birth and by choice. That's our problem, folks. But God undertook a perfect plan in three steps by which sinful men can be forgiven and be brought back into God's family. And listen extremely closely. Don't miss this. This is very important. You know, you have to be part of God's family before you can be transformed back into his image. How can a man go on a honeymoon with his wife if he doesn't even have a wife in the first place? He's got to get the wife first, right? And then he can go on a honeymoon with his wife. And likewise, we need to become part of God's family first before we can be transformed into his image. But this is very, very important. God helps us to become part of his family. Here's, here's God's three-step plan. Number one, step one. God became a human being like us when he was born of a virgin in Bethlehem of Judea and his name was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. The word Christ means Messiah, the anointed one of God. That's what the, the name Christ means. God became a human like us. Now some people will deny that and some people will tell you it's not true, but they're wrong. It is true. God became human, fully human. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. Now in verse 14, it tells us the Word was made flesh. It's a reference to Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I'll say it again. The Word was God. You want to hear it again? The word, say it with me. The Word was God. Jesus is God. In Philippians 2.7, it's, Concerning Jesus, it said, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. God came in the likeness of us. Romans 8, 3, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Now Jesus lived in this world for 33 and a half years and experienced human life, but here is the big difference. He never sinned, not once. He never had an evil thought. He never had a greedy thought. He never had a lustful thought. He was, he was never found disobedient. If I asked you, have you ever disobeyed your mom or dad or your teachers? Have you ever disobeyed? If you were honest, you'd have to put up your hand, wouldn't you? I'd have to put up both hands and both feet. 
We are sinners by birth and by choice. Jesus was never a sinner. And yet he was fully, fully human. That's hard for us to understand how someone could live so pure, so perfect. You know, Jesus had brothers and sisters. Mary and Joseph had other children. Can you imagine what it was like in a home where the oldest never, ever, ever committed a sin, never got angry, never got selfish, never flew off the handle, never disobeyed. Huh. Imagine if there was someone like that growing up in your home when you were a kid. You'd, you'd despise them. Oh, that goody two-shoes. You'd come up with all kinds of things. And that's exactly what people do today. They call Jesus a goody two-shoes and all kinds of other horrible things we won't get into. But Jesus was perfect, perfect, perfect. God in the flesh, never sinned once. Hebrews 4.15, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. No sin whatsoever in the Savior. And this is so very important. Jesus never, ever, ever committed not even one tiny sin. Adam's sin was disobedience. One, he didn't murder. He didn't rob a bank. He disobeyed God and he took some forbidden fruit. That was what got us all into trouble. It doesn't take a very big pin to pop a balloon, does it? Does it? You don't need a pin three feet long to pop a balloon. A tiny little pin. That's all you need. The balloon's gone. See, our condition, God came to earth. He became one of us. And this is so important to know that he was sinless because he gave himself as an offering for our sin. He couldn't do that if there was sin in his own life. He had to be absolutely perfect. So step two, Jesus, God, was nailed on an old rugged cross. And he did that to pay our sin debt. You say, what's that? That means what you and I owe in hell. Do you owe any money? Do you owe any money to your credit card, to your bank, uh, your line of credit? Do you owe any money to a neighbor or relative? Is there anyone you owe money to? You've borrowed money. Now you've got a debt you have to pay. Well, when you sin, you have a debt you have to pay back. When you break the law... The way the system is supposed to work is you're supposed to go to jail or if it's bad enough, you go to prison. That's how the system is supposed to work and it doesn't always work too well. We know that. But that's the way man's system works. But God's system, if you've ever sinned once, you can't get to heaven. You've popped your balloon. Your chances are over. It's done. Forget it. You have zero chance of getting to heaven. Jesus went to the cross to pay what I owe, what you owe, in the pit of hell. He made a payment while he was nailed to the cross. And when it was finished, he said, it is finished. Those were his exact words. The idea is paid in full. It's finished. His wonderful work. 1 Corinthians 15 says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that... Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And so step one, God became human. Step two, God died on the cross for you and for me. Step three, God now offers redemption. You say, what does that mean? That means sins forgiven. It means entrance into the family of God. God will let you into his family as a gift. 
not as something you buy or earn or deserve. He will give you heaven. Who will he give it to? To whosoever will repent of their sin. That means turn your back on a life of sin. You've had it with sin. Turn your back on it. All that filthy cheating and gambling and lying and swearing and, and worldly living and so on. Be done with it. Turn your back on it. And by faith, ask Jesus to forgive you your sins. To come into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. Invite Him in. God took eternal life and put it in a person. The person is Jesus Christ. Whosoever hath the Son hath life. Whosoever hath not the Son of God hath not life. If you don't have, literally have, Jesus Christ inside your heart and soul, you're not going to heaven. You have no eternal life in you. Well, wait a minute. How do I get Jesus? You get Jesus by faith, by repenting of your sins and opening your heart's door. Acts 3.19, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. And Jesus himself said in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and that's the door of your heart. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. That's the promise of Almighty God. And God means what he says. If you're here today or you're watching online and you've never really done this before, this is the very first thing you need to do to become part of God's spiritual family by repenting of your sins and receiving Jesus Christ as Savior. Now, having said all that, everyone here who's actually a born-again Christian, everyone here who's actually received Christ, they know, they understand that the bulk, the weight of salvation is mainly in God's hands. It's His undertaking. It's, it's His cost. It's on His dime, as we say. He paid it. He paid it. Our part is to receive it. Now that's the cost of what we call sonship, to become part of God's family, to be born again into His family. Maybe some of you here have adopted a child. Well, there's a lot of red tape and process you have to go through to adopt a child. But the wonderful thing about that child is that child has been chosen. That child has been chosen. That's a wonderful, wonderful thing. When you and I become part of God's family, it's because God is choosing us. Now, if we say, no, no, I don't want to be part of your family. I don't want to be part of your family. That's your choice. The only other option is eternal damnation in hell, but that's your choice if that's what you want. But God is opening his arms wide to whosoever will. Isn't that good news? Every other religion in the world will teach you the way to heaven is through good works. Pay enough money. Get baptized. Say prayers. Light candles. Crawl over rocks or glass. Beat yourself with a whip. Do good works. And if you do enough of all of this, maybe you'll get to heaven. God says in the Bible, the gift of God the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can only get to heaven by receiving Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the only way. God only made one way to get to heaven. Only one way. If there was any other way people could get to heaven, then Christ died in vain on the cross. Why do you need God coming and dying on the cross for when all you have to do is pay money, get baptized, do good works, keep the golden rule, try and keep the Ten Commandments, which, by the way, no one has ever been able to keep. No one has ever been able to keep them. They break one or two or more at some point. 
and like a 10-link chain suspending a thousand-pound weight over your head, all you got to do is break one link. And that weight comes down and kills you. It doesn't matter if you break the first link or the last link. It doesn't matter. The weight still comes down and kills you. And that's you people who think they're going to get to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments. They're out of their mind because they've never. <laughs> Have you ever told a lie? Yes. You're done. What? Game over. Case dismissed. Yeah, you're done. Get out. Next. Wait. Doesn't matter. That's why we need the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Isn't that good news? Amen. Boy, I'm so happy I'm saved today. April the 6th, 1975, over 46 years ago, I trusted Christ. He came in my heart. He changed my life. I'd do it all over again, only I'd do it sooner. I was going on 19 years of age when I received Christ. I would do it as a little boy. I'd, I would love to have come to VBS, like what we have here in our church. I would love to have come to VBS and learned about the Savior and received Christ at a young age. My, it would have saved me a lot of scars. You know, 19 years of age isn't very old, but you can sure pick up a lot of worldly scars and worldly ways in those few years. And, and all that worked against me. Well, well, if you're here today and you've never received Christ, you need to do that. You know what? I'm going to do something that I've never done before. I hope I never do it again. I'm going to end the sermon right here. I haven't even given you the first of the three sacred vows, have I? All that is to explain how we get into heaven. But don't you think that's good news? Yeah. Because I, I believe that we probably have someone here today who's never yet understood that they're lost in their sin they're on their way to hell, a Christless eternity. They need to turn around. They need to repent. And we may well have someone watching online today. Religious? Yes. Nice person? Yes. Lost? Yes. You can be very sincere in your heart, but be very sincerely wrong. Folks, Eternity is a long time, I'm sure you'll agree. Boy, we've been blessed today. And the VBS all week long, two weeks ago, all week long, it was designed to teach the young, the young ones the necessity of trusting Christ. But some of us older ones need that as well. You know, if you're here today and you have a great desire in your heart to know God and to trust Him and to be part of His family, and to go to heaven when you die. I'd like to help you with that. And so we'll all bow our heads for prayer. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.